Hey everybody, this is Jane here with the Pacino Pod, uh, otherwise known as the Pacino Pop on Spotify or <laughs> iTunes or whatever the heck you're listening to this on. Unless it's on SoundCloud, then it's the correct title. Then it's actually Pacino Pod. <laughs> <laughs> who am I here with? Oh, yes. I forgot who I was for a second. I'm Callie, and we have Oliver here, our guest. I think I talk about my cats too much on this. No, podcast. people love cats. We can, if we have to expand it into uh, Pacino plus cats podcast, we can. Well, it's like Pacino <laughs> plus cats plus ass eating, which brings us into the story oh, I wanted you to tell. Oh my god! No, it's it's really not that interesting, but it's uh, <laughs> it's such a great great way to start off a story. But um, I was driving home from Target today and. Um, and I was telling Callie in a callback to our first episode where we discussed plenty of ass eating in the, not in the Godfather, but uh, whether or not characters in the Godfather would. Subtext of the yeah, Godfather. Yeah, subtext of the Godfather. Um, I was behind a car that had um, in giant letters and it's in the back window, I eat ass. <laughs> it's just like good for you, dude. That's awesome. What have you been watching lately? Like what shows other than Pacino related? Well, the what I just finished watching was I, I watched Russian Doll finally on Netflix. Oh yeah. Which is really really good. It stars Natasha Leone. I think she also created it. Yeah, she's she's amazing. The show is really funny and also sad and t touches on the way we handle trauma and, in our everyday lives. And it's a comedy? Yes, it is. It, well, I mean, it's, well, it's kind of... that's it, one way you handle trauma. It's kind of... I mean, it's a it's a black comedy, I would say. I mean, do you know the premise of it? Or, no, I don't. Basically, she... It's like a Groundhog Day thing, except she keeps dying and restarting at the, like, her, like, 36-year-old birthday party. <laughs> that's crazy, because the thing I was going to be like, oh, I watched this, was Palm Springs on Hulu. <laughs> Also has like a Groundhog's Day type thing. Have you seen that? I've just seen that. The ads is like Andy Samberg in it, right? Andy Samberg and Kristen. That's Kelly. She has a very Italian last name. And because the first time we tried to record, I pronounced it Corleone like the whole time. I just want to make sure. Oh, yeah. The, in, in the um, unreleased, never to be heard. Uh, Lost footage. Episode zero <laughs> of the podcast. Which actually is probably for the better because we've recorded that like through our laptops and I had was using my laptop I was like microphone yeah. so we're like web chatting each other uh her name's Kristen Milliati all right <clears throat> and yeah it was really good really funny even though it was kind of on that same trope I feel like they did some interesting things with it it was fun they went definitely a lot more the murder route like if nothing matters and everything's the same every day you can just to do whatever. Just straight up kill people. Oh. That's, I did not get that impression <laughs> from the trailer. <laughs> well, that's, so J.K. Simmons is in it. And oh, that's really? like his character's thing. Oh. So everybody is reliving. It's not just. No, it's like, basically there's like an event that can happen uh, at this like one space and time. And if you happen to like accidentally fall, follow Andy Samberg into this event, then it happens to you as well. So basically it's about these three people that it's happened to. Um, and JK Simmons is the most pissed about it, <laughs> which like, I love a good 
pissed off J.K. Simmons. I mean, yeah, I'd be probably be pissed about it too, but I don't know if I would murder people even if I was reliving it every day. <laughs> you don't have super murdery vibes. No, isn't that's a good thing? I would say generally. Speaking. Yeah, it's one of, it's one of the things I like best about you. <laughs> oh, that's very sweet. <laughs> I really appreciate that that you don't think I'm going to murder you. That's like how that's the sol the solid foundation of our friendship. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I like to start off all my friendships, and then we build from there. There, yeah. you go. there um, we go. <laughs> speaking of murder, quite a bit of it in The Godfather Part 2. Murder and attempted murder. Um, yeah, uh, much like the first Godfather, there is, there's a lot of murder in Godfather 2. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How would you compare it to the to the first one. I mean, like, personally, like, preference-wise, I like it a lot more. Just, I feel like it has a lot more of, like, a plot. I mean, not that the first one didn't, but, like, sometimes you're just kind of like, where is this headed? Um, <laughs> and I guess, like, the whole time you know that it's just headed towards Michael becoming the dude or whatever. Yeah. But it just takes forever to get there. I, I wish it was called The Dude, though. The Dude? <laughs> dude Corleone. <laughs> uh, the Dude being like, you know, the Big Lebowski thing. That made me think, I forgot to tell the story that I read about Jeff Bridges and Al Pacino at the Oscars. Please tell it. So, after he was nominated for Serpico, the first Oscars that Pacino actually attended was for Serpico in, I believe, 1973. <laughs> um, so he was, yeah, he was nominated. He actually went, because the first time he was nominated for The Godfather, he didn't go because he was a little pissy pants about... Um, <laughs> maybe I'll edit that out. No, 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 that's... <laughs> no, please don't. That's so funny. <laughs> he was upset that uh, Marlon Brando was also nominated for Best Actor despite them having, like, very different amounts of screen time, very different amounts of lines and stuff, although Marlon Brando obviously just kind of carries a lot more weight in cinema, um, or did at the time. And so he didn't go as protest to that, and Marlon Brando didn't go as protest to racism. And so nobody kind of got that award. I mean, obviously somebody accepted it on Marlon Brando's behalf, and that was uh, pretty cool. I think he had a Native woman. Yeah, yeah, he had a Native woman um, come up and accept it, and after, the year after they banned... Um, surrogate acceptors at the awards because I think they're like the, they're like it shouldn't be a political statement or like you shouldn't oh. yeah that's kind of but which is stupid but you know mm. you should be able to let anyone accept your award for you the yeah, Oscars were like how that's a little bit too much reality for our little TV program so we're gonna make sure that doesn't happen again for <laughs> our award shows based in reality <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, he didn't go the first time, and then... I think Serpico was the next time he got nominated. Serpico, yeah. yeah. So Serpico, he got nominated, and he attended with Diane Keaton, who, is date, who he dated on and off through all the Godfathers. Um, and he and Diane Keaton were sat next to Jeff Bridges, and they didn't know him, they never met him, so they like introduced themselves, and then they just got super high all night because he didn't believe that he was going to win Best Actor, and he didn't. But he was quoted in this, like, interview that I read that he didn't think that 
had he won Best Actor, he wouldn't have made it to the stage because he was taking, like, Valium and, like, uh, just, like, Hella Painkillers with Diane Keaton. And he was so high, and he'd never been to the Oscars, so he didn't really understand how it worked, and he kept having to, like, ask Jeff Bridges, like, what was happening. And, like, he thought it was only an hour program, so, like, after an hour was up, he was like, well, I guess they're not gonna get to Best Actor. And Jeff Bridges was like, they're still, what the fuck, like, they're just going to commercial. It's a three-hour thing. They're gonna get to Best Actor. And Pacino was like, oh, I thought it was only an hour. I thought we only had to be here for an hour. And I'm sure that that, like, played a part in why he got so high. Because he was like, we don't have to be here for very long. Yeah, oh my god. <laughs> can you imagine? Yeah, like, just, like, oh, it'll be a short ceremony. We can just get fucked up and go party afterwards. Like, oh, we have to be here for another two hours. Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that realization setting in. But I, I, like, so I read this interview where Pacino talked about this, but I also, I think you can find it on Jimmy Kimmel or something like that. And... Pacino is just basically saying that he got to the point where he was, like, definitely annoying Jeff Bridges. <laughs> and Jeff Bridges seems like a guy that would be very difficult to annoy. He seems like a pretty chill dude. He made that album a couple years ago where he just, like, makes ambient music to put you no to sleep. Way. Yeah. Yeah, you remember those commercials? It was, like, a big commercial campaign for this, like, website designer, like, that you could build your websites, but he also actually legit made an album of, like bedtime lullaby things <laughs> do you did you have any i'll like bleep his name but did you have any classes with yes i did unfortunately did you, did you did you see his interview with jeff bridges no he didn't show that with us oh it, my god maybe please. because i like roasted him <laughs> after he showed us but like I don't remember exactly what I said. Anyways, he was showing us all these interviews that he did while he was at CBS, and there was, like, one that he did with Jeff Bridges after a movie. I can't remember what it was called, but it was, like, Jeff Bridges is in a plane crash, and the whole movie, you're, like, not really sure if he's dead or alive. Um, it's kind of, like, up... It's I don't a movie think I know that movie. Oh, okay. It's a movie that's, like, up to interpretation, basically. But in the interview, where you're supposed to be kind of, like, subjective and ask questions, he just kept being like, what do you think the ending means? Is he alive or is he dead? I think he's dead. And Jeff Bridges kept being like, oh, you know, man, it's just kind of, like, open to the audience. We wanted to leave it up to them to, like, decide what they think the ending means. And he kept being like, but... He's dead, right? He, but he died. And it is, like, so frustrating as, like, students to be watching this because he's obviously trying to, like, toot his own horn that he got to, like, meet Jeff Bridges. But I was like, if anything, this makes you look bad because we can tell that Jeff Bridges didn't like you. <laughs> yeah, and also you're supposed to be, like, a fucking film professor and, like, understand that, you know... Film there, is, there, yeah. there, are, there are such things as films that are don't do not have like definite answers to the questions that they ask. So it's like you know that, that and that just like brings up a pet peeve of mine with like films like that are ambiguous like that. Like with you know when Inception came out, everybody's like, oh, was it a dream or was it? You know, like just focusing on the fucking last like shot of the right. top and like did it fall over or not? And it's like. That's the point. It's like, it doesn't matter at this point because he's with his family now. That's like supposed to be your takeaway from not like, it, 
the fact is it doesn't matter whether it's a dream or not because mm -hmm. he's finally like at peace <laughs> i think that's like the idea with this sort of film too and like the, the our professor was just not taking no answer as an answer yeah that's but you know he was i won't say anymore <laughs> <laughs> anyways back to the question you asked me i I like, I think this is my favorite of the trilogy for sure. And it like has a lot more passion in it than I think any of the other films. Like Al Pacino is pretty quiet in the first one. I think it's funny. My mom, I watched all three movies with my parents when I was back in Virginia and we were about like 20 or 30 minutes into Godfather part one when my mom was like, so when does Al Pacino get here? And I was like, mom, <laughs> that's, he's, that's Michael. And she was like, oh, he's just been so quiet the whole time. Like, she had no idea. And because she's only seen his later work, she, like, didn't recognize him either. Maybe yeah. she wouldn't have recognized his voice anyways, because he sounds quite a bit different. Yeah, and, like, also, I mean, I guess if you're just used to the, like, loud, babastic, like, Hello. Al Pacino from yeah. Scent of a Woman, <laughs> like, the parody that everyone does now, I guess that would, you know. But, yeah, having seen his, like, the beginning of his works like he really does run the gamut of characters so the same difficult emotions that i went through realizing that i wanted to fuck al pacino i then got to witness my mom go through those emotions oh my god that's so funny though like <laughs> yeah knowing you're like her being like when does al pacino get here and then me being like that's him and her being like oh <laughs> just kind of giving that look <laughs> yeah i just gave Jane, this very, like, cougar look. Like, <laughs> um, Al Pacino, very, very attractive man, like, in his early work in the 70s. Like, I mean, like, legit. Every movie I've seen him in so far, like, I think he's been attractive. I saw, so, I mentioned that he was with Diane Keaton on and off. I saw this quote from her where she was talking about how she's had all these amazing Hollywood romances like she did in Warren Beatty and she was like the Al Pacino he just had the best face and I thought that, that was so cute that after all these and that was from like 2018 that she said that Aww, so she still so uh, thinks that he's hella cute and we found I think I sent it to you I don't know if you watched it but it was some like big uh, tribute to Diane Keaton's work and they had oh. Al Pacino speak, and like you could tell just in these like this two minute speech that he was still like down to fuck we'll Diane put, Keaton. We'll put the link to the video in the description. Yeah, it's... the way he says, "I like your hat," because she's wearing one of her like '90s Diane Keaton hats. You know, it's just like oh, and Diane Keaton, very wonderful, attractive woman as well, and she yeah. has aged very, very nicely. That's true. <laughs> well, we'll talk about it in Godfather Part Three whenever we finally get to that but uh yeah i think that they have like a very special relationship that came through in this movie their uh chemistry yeah i was uh re-listening to the first episode where we were talking we were like there was a lot of complaints about like the uh female characters not mm -hmm. having especially hers like just not they come back like full force yeah in the she movie. she is a fully three-dimensional character in the second film them all like um Mama Corleone, I think I texted you when I was watching it the first time, Mama Corleone has more lines in part two, in the first ten minutes of part two, than she has in the entire first movie. And then also, I mean, there's the flashbacks where she's a, 
a part of it. So I didn't even realize that before this, but she has way more lines if you consider those. And then the sister also becomes a much more dynamic character. It's years down the road, so how many? It's probably like five or six years. Yeah, I'm not, I can't remember the exact timeline. I'm trying to remember how much bigger that baby is. <laughs> <laughs> she, I think she has, doesn't she have multiple children? Yes, they, yeah. I think so. At this point, they have two children, and they're expecting you know, Yeah, which is a big plot point. Which I guess we can talk about since we're talking about Diane Keaton, because didn't you, weren't you the one that told me that she was, like, pushing for it to be a... So, no, actually, Talia Shire, oh, who okay. plays Connie Corleone, who I didn't know was Francis Ford Coppola's sister. Also, she... Talia Shire in Rocky. Really good. Right? I was like, oh, that's the woman from Rocky? Like, what the fuck? Um, so she is who kind of engineered the idea that would, like, become the most, like, heartbreaking part of the film, maybe for Michael, at least. <laughs> Wait, no, no, no. The part where he finds out that his brother was trying to kill him. There's a lot of heartbreaking moments for Michael yeah. in this film. He doesn't have a very nice time. But I would say... Uh, what did, I'm trying to think what exactly Talia Shire said. It would be, like, there's, like, no coming back from it for their relationship. relationship. Yeah. So, the, in the beginning of the film, Kay has found out, which is funny, I realized as I was edi editing the first episode that I called her Nancy. You called her Nancy? I, I didn't even think about Nancy. that. I didn't even think And then I changed it so I didn't look like an idiot, but, like, I definitely called her Nancy. Her character's name is Kay. <laughs> <laughs> she looked like, she felt like a Nancy to me. But, um, Kay is, like, expecting a child and they're, like, you know, discussing if it's gonna be a boy. Does it feel like a boy? He obviously wants a fucking boy. Um, <laughs> and then there's assassination attempt on, um, both of them because... I mean, she's in the room, too. I would count it just as much. Yeah, I mean, they were trying to basically murder My, They were mostly concerned with murdering Michael, but it didn't really matter, it didn't who, matter. who got Right. Yeah, yeah so um, after that, she definitely takes a step back to consider... Well, and I mean, then he basically puts her on lockdown as well. Yeah, yeah um, that was a big point, too. Um, won't let her leave. Because, yeah, there was, well, yeah, there was that scene where she tried to leave the estate with her kids to go grocery shopping and um, and they're like well just tell us what you want yeah and she was like i don't i can't leave like you know like what the f like i'm it's like i'm in a prison and you know um robert duvall's character i can never remember his name but he's mark Mar mark no tom, tom. No. no no yeah it's tom it is tom. <laughs> yeah he um yeah he was like we don't look at it like that like that's his <laughs> yeah <laughs> well so that's a We'll have to come back to Robert Duvall because I love his character so much more in this film, I think. Um, I mean, I love him in the first one as well, but yeah, Kay's not allowed to leave and the whole time Michael is just like going off to Cuba and like doing other stuff like for the family. It's and she, always, like, you know, in the, like in the beginning of the film, you know, they're at that, uh, the uh, senator's little, or like, you know, his big event thing and they're dancing and she's like, you know, you said, like, yeah, because she said we'll be done in five years, and that was seven years. Oh, so, yes, yeah, so it was seven right. years. She was like, that nice. was seven years ago. And he's like, it'll get done. And you can see he clearly, like, isn't, has no intention. He's <laughs> making no moves, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and so she, like, loses the baby is, like, how it's, you know, 
given the news is given to Michael at first, but then there's like this scene where she like reveals that she actually had an abortion and and that she like got rid of it because she doesn't want to have another child with him and doesn't want to like further a family that would be put through this and stuff. Which I thought it was very like. I think the first time I watched it, I was like, ooh, cold, you know? But then the second time I watched, realized that scene where he's tucking in his son, and his son says that he wants to come help him, and he says, you will someday. I was like, ooh, like, maybe she's... Yeah, Right, like, maybe Michael's kind of, like, lost the plot with, like... He's in, he's in too deep at this point. He couldn't really divulge himself from it if he wanted to. And then, like, he furthers it... I mean, that's basically the crux of the film, and, like, you know, we could talk about the final scene as well, late, like, later on, but, yeah, basically, he just is, you know, gone full. He's never going to become legitimate. <laughs> but, yeah, like, Diane Keaton's performance is amazing. Like, she has such a, like, stone-cold face sometimes, and then she, like, erupts in emotion, which I think is, like, such a interesting juxtaposition to, like, Al Pacino's face, where it's, like, all in his face, and then, like... It's more of, like, verbally he erupts sometimes. Like, I feel like she talks, and, like, it's just... Well, she's also the only person that ever calls him on any shit. Like, yeah. that's, like, that's another plot point is that, like, she's the only person who, like, you know, has the ability to say anything, and she, like, and even then, it, he doesn't listen to her. And by the end of it, he basically is, like, full-on monster because he fucking slaps her in the face after the term. Like, this is the, like, never-coming-back point. And then he basically isolates her kids from her, and she could only, like, visit them on very specific times when he's not there, and... One of the reviews I read of Al Pacino's performance in Part 2 was that it was, like, the best portrayal of the hardening of a heart. That's what somebody said. Yeah, I like that. That's a, that's a good, um good summation of you just like watch this person like slowly like lose their humanity <laughs> right because you know even like even when you know at the very end when he's you know he's putting together the final deaths of everyone that like wronged him um in the lead up to that uh he's even like being a dick to tom who like earlier in the film he was like you are like my brother. My brother. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, are you gonna move? He's like, are you gonna move? Are you gonna leave? And Tom's like, why are you at? Like, why? Oh, like, why are you asking me this? You know. <laughs> One of the things I remember, like, texting to you when I was watching. Speaking of Robert Duvall, so there's only like three, two or three years in between these films, and like some of the characters look so different. Like Robert Duvall lost all of his hair like somehow in those couple of years or maybe do you think he was wearing a wig in the first one uh i'm like i don't think he was i i think i mean maybe he just decided to but like and i'm and i think the fact that they didn't decide to put a wig on him into uh either one for realism also i think it adds to his character that like he's under so much stress that he just like right. just go like lost all his hair and like he's, he's like, like i'm a lawyer for a crime family <laughs> <laughs> like i have to go testify before the senate <laughs> <laughs> clear up this dead stripper yeah he's basically has to clean up all of michael's shit <laughs> yeah um i remember texting you uh, do you think that robert duvall saw that richard bright got fat and richard bright saw that robert duvall lost all his hair and they were like oh thank god <laughs> <laughs> just one for one <laughs> well it's like cause pacino got hotter yeah <laughs> um and that's really their only those are the male leads. I mean, Fredo, Fredo but he looks the same. <laughs> but 
I mean, we were just talking about his hairline, and I think there's just something that makes him look a little dweebish, you know, so, like, maybe Robert Duvall wasn't too worried about... Yeah. I don't know why I think that Robert Duvall was you just like, think am Rob- I as cute as them? Yeah, you should, in, in your head, Robert Duvall is this incredibly vain... He's a 14-year-old like, Yeah, girl. he's a 14-year-old girl who, like, is obsessed with all of his Godfather's co-star's looks. <laughs> like, whether he's prettier he's like, than oh, them. God, thank God James Caan's not in this one. <laughs> who de- well, yeah. Who did, who did James Caan play again? Uh, Sonny. Yeah, that's what I thought. Um, no, he is in it. He's at the very end. <laughs> right, I just read that he requested to have the same salary as the first movie, and they gave it to him. For that one scene. Cause that, well, I'm assuming, I'm assuming to, like, Coppola, that scene would... Because it is, actually, I think, the most important scene in no, the movie. for sure. And, like, he, in the scene, like, plays a pivotal role, and it wouldn't be the same. Because mm-hmm. they already don't have, like, I mean... And it works because you don't you don't need to see like um, Vito in the shot. Like he just has that overwhelming presence. Like he's gonna be here soon. And Did you know that Marlon Brando was supposed to be there? He didn't show and up. He didn't show up. And so they just were like, well. But actually, that works. That's why I was saying. It, yeah, it Coppola wor- was like, "I'll just make it work without him." It works because yeah, because he he still is this like looming figure over like over everyone. Right. Like Michael wants to do his own thing. He's like, "I'm gonna join the army. I'm gonna go sh- like I'm gonna live my own life," and um, and it's it, it like hits you how much he was like he like no matter how hard he tried to like be his own person he still ended up getting sucked into the shit there's so many like stories in this one film i know like I we we, we like, haven't where, even where the fuck do we start we haven't we've barely we're like almost 28, 28 minutes, minutes in that's why we decided to do this one as a single episode because it was like uh yeah we're gonna have enough to talk about for this we, film i mean there's the whole theme of the person it's like who's the rat um, the relationship storyline, and then there's, like, all of these other, like... And a completely other film with, uh, how you see Vito's rise. (laughs) Yeah, so it's like, damn. I watched it in, like, we broke it up in two days, me and my folks, because... Did you stop at the intermission point? Yeah, wherever it, like, went to black. Yeah. Which, I was reading that audiences early on, they didn't like it, because there was no fading in between the shots like that showed like oh now it's no longer 1950 it's like 1901 mm-hmm. so like audiences like i guess they had a hard time like jumping back and forth that's weird to me because i didn't <laughs> i yeah. thought it was really easy to follow <laughs> I didn't either, but um some of my friends that i've talked to because they think that pacino and de niro look so similar that was their issue seriously was that they couldn't tell a difference which i i, I, I don't think they that. look similar at all in this film like i mean like maybe in the sense that they're two italian males <laughs> but i don't think i don't confuse them for two for each other and also like yeah he has the quiet um quietness of michael from the first film i guess you could say like because Vito doesn't really that's what i, I was like, gonna say i was yeah. like you can really tell like yeah it's michael's a mi- his son it's a mirror image of each other whereas like you know except you only see like the positive changes from Vito um and you because because right. you only know about all the shit that happens in hindsight while you're seeing all the shit because you only saw the positive things for my like positive in the sense that nothing like that Michael you know grew into a person in the first Godfather film whereas like Vito was like you know basically crushed as a person you know like by the end he's dead and his 
you know, garden after, like, having been, like, attempted assassination and his son's dead and everything. Whereas, kind of like... a sweet way to die compared yeah. to all the other options. That's true, yeah, that, that that's true. But, like, in this one, it's, you know, the exact reverse. You see Michael's entire, like, everything he gives a shit about in his life is, like, crumbling while you right. see while you while see you Vito, watch Vito like, yeah. grow and have a family and be like oh like little Fredo and like yeah baby little baby Michael little baby Michael did you like the the flashbacks the vibe of them and like the storyline or do you feel like you could have done without those like how the book kind of did without them well the book had them they just didn't put it do you mean in the first film like do you with do I wish oh uh, I guess I from what I'd heard the book didn't have like as much no it definitely doesn't i mean of Vito's i think it no i think everything in two is better done than in the first one i think it adds <laughs> so much to it and like seeing yeah like what he went through just as like a child in italy like why he didn't speak and stuff like that i thought that was really interesting like they're both very quiet characters Vito and michael so much so that like me and my dad we noticed that in the scene where they were Vito goes through ellis island they like put an x on his jacket oh, yeah, with chalk. Signify that, um, yeah, he was like possibly special needs or something yeah. like that because he wasn't speaking. And so my dad was like, "Well, his his dad died, so he might have become more quiet." And then his brother died like right in front of him. And then there's that scene where his mom is like, "He doesn't even talk. Like he's not going to come for you. Like he's kind of yeah. she th she's like even saying that he's like become mentally different like through this or whatever." So my, I thought it was, like, interesting that my dad pointed out that, like, maybe that's also <laughs> why he became so violent. Because, like, obviously the way he was processing things was... Yeah, like, because, like, yeah, of course he's going to have no um, no qualms with, like, murdering people, you but know? But interesting that that was really the only... I mean, he just seems well-adjusted in every other way. Yeah, ex except like, that he's just, like, I'm you know, he's, Don like, Finucci. doesn't, and doesn't care. And, like... And it's, when you're watching it, you're like, yeah, go fucking murder, this guy's a piece of shit. But, right. like, you know, it's not like he becomes a better person out of that actor or anything. He's like, he becomes a fucking mafia leader, a dr like a, he's not a dr drug scumbag, but he, you know, he participates in crime and all that shit. Um, but the, th the thing that was interesting to me, though, is that he, yeah, he did get his revenge, but to me, like, on the the man that killed his father, like, when he went when he went back to Italy, but to me it just felt really hollow because by that point that guy was already, like, blind. He couldn't even, he didn't even know who he was talking to, you know, had no memory of that event, and it's like, what is that, what did that do? You know, it didn't really, I'm sure. Right. Like, and that then, was just for him. Yeah, it was just for him, so, but it, like, it doesn't, like, it, it doesn't feel like a triumphant moment, like, oh, he got his revenge, it just feels like, you know, what did you really accomplish out of you know I don't know I don't know if like if any other people probably don't view it that way I think that's just how I view it within the, the larger scope of the films but uh, to me it was like yeah you you killed a an old a man who who's gonna die in a couple years anyways <laughs> it's interesting yeah I don't know why he did that either it seems like a waste of a trip but I guess it's revenge which i never really got i don't know it's so funny so i watched this uh, movie which has a lot of revenge themes and then i watched um injustice for all which is like about like criminal justice like issues and which, then yeah we'll get to in the 
it's it came out in 79 but my dad was like oh like all these revenge themes and the justice themes like you'll love this movie and then he put on law-abiding citizen <laughs> and i was like this is not these are not the same films you know but i think it's like interesting that whether it really serves a purpose or not like some people are like i just have to cross this name off a list yeah, which is what Michael was. All Michael was doing, like he didn't have to murder. Same Fredo. with Fredo. Yeah, like Fredo. Exactly. Like by by that point, like all Fredo wanted to was happy doing was taking his son out to go fishing. Honestly, though, whenever Fredo talks about taking the kid out fishing, I was like, he's gonna kill that kid. <laughs> I think but I think I you have more faith. Like I think I think you have more faith in Fredo's like because I don't think yeah Fredo like Fredo just felt like a little unhinged. He felt unhinged and only in the way that, like, he liked to have sex and gamble and drink, but he wasn't, like, he wasn't, he didn't have the killer instinct like Michael or Sonny did. Like, I don't think Fredo could, like, Fredo's gonna be, like, do the weaselly shit, but I don't think Fredo has it in him to actually murder anyone. Hmm. But he was willing to orchestrate his brother and sister-in-law's death. Yeah, know. but he says that he didn't know. You know, I'm Team Fredo here. Fredo says he didn't. Fredo says that he wasn't aware. That he's that's not what, an idiot. He's smart. <laughs> Fredo, Fredo didn't think that they. Fredo just thought that they were gonna, you know, put a scare. He didn't think they were actually gonna try to kill them. You know, he wouldn't have done that. Mm, I don't know. I think Fredo. He definitely has middle child syndrome, and he's just pissed off that his baby... Which he even says his baby brother yeah. is the one who's in charge or whatever. It's just silly. Because, I don't know, I didn't get the vibes in the first movie that Fredo wanted to be in charge. I don't think... Fr I think Fredo would have probably been happy not being in the family. He looks... <laughs> maybe this is just John Cazale in general, but he looks like he has a nervous tummy. Yeah. He looks like know. he spends some time in the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> Fredo's a nervous guy. <laughs> I I do really like Fredo. Like, maybe that's also just John Cazale. Like, maybe I just like yeah. every character he plays because he's so good at, like, being vulnerable and, like, a likable character. But I do think that there's something so, like, gut-wrenching whenever... But, you know, that turning point when you realize that he was lying about not knowing all these people that are obviously who tried to kill mm -hmm. Michael at the beginning, and he suddenly, you know, he's just drunk, and he starts, like, slipping up, and there's, like, that yeah. moment where you're like, no, it's Fredo, and it's like, fuck Fredo! Like, I no, I, I, was, I was just, I was being mostly facetious with that, but I don't think Fredo was gonna kill his son. I really do think he was, like... I think I, yeah, my instinct is just to be nervous when a man is like, let's go out onto a lake together. No, I think he just wanted to teach him how to catch a fish. Well, uh, you know, then you see that Al, Neary, Richard Bright's character, was going to go fishing with them, so I was like, oh, it's fine. Yeah. But. Yeah. Then it was just Al and Fredo. Well, you know, Fredo wanted his son to be sleeping with the fishes. That's what you're, that's what you're implying. That's here. what I thought. <laughs> and then it was Fredo that sleeps with the fishes. Which, like, later, the family, like, you know, the third one, they're like, oh, Fredo drowned. And I'm like, how did they... <laughs> how does anyone believe that anybody dies of an accidental circumstance in the Corleone family? Also, there was, like, you could clear hear a clear gunshot. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> was nobody around? Was it just... Or was it just Michael that was... 
nearby when that happened. He like told everyone else to leave. Yeah, because you know his son and went off and right. So that's that could be. But, I guess that's plausible. And of course, Michael wasn't gonna kill Fredo until his mom was dead, which was which why he accepted Fredo back in the first place. <laughs> I read that Mario Puzo, who was who wrote the novels, um, whenever Francis uh, Ford Coppola wanted to include Fredo's assassination, um, Puzo said that the only way he would agree to it is if it was after um, Mama Corleone died. Which makes sense, because I don't think, because Michael wouldn't want to do, do that, that to his mom. Yeah. Have her lose two sons. Yeah. Two or three. And then yeah. have, like, a daughter that's, like, always <laughs> crying. Yeah. yeah, or just in need of shit. Um, I thought that character arc was so interesting, you know, because she comes in, Talia Shire comes into this movie with, like, you know, Michael's, like, mad at her because she's, like, left her children and she's, like, trying to marry some schmuck who clearly just wants in on the family yeah. money. And he, like, wants to be, like, a part of the family business immediately, even though they don't trust him and stuff. So I thought it was, like, really interesting that they, like, allowed her to be kind of, like, the bad girl without being, like, the trope that she was in the first movie, which was just kind of to be, like, running around screaming the whole time. Yeah. Like, I was like, oh, she kind of got to, like, go off the rails a little bit, too. Yeah. Which is also interesting that, I mean, I understand Michael's concern about you're abandoning your children, but it also was, like, that was kind of, in her own way, her attempt to <clears throat> distance herself from... I'm sorry. Also, Michael's, a little bit Michael's fault for killing her husband. Yeah. But, I mean, her husband did beat the fucking shit out of her. True, to be very fair. true. I didn't realize, uh, after watching the first one, that it was her husband who um, gave up Sonny and gave up Michael. Yeah, yeah. Which, you, you said that you kind of only knew that from the books. Um, yeah, right? I mean, it's... Or did you get it from the movies? I mean, I don't remember what I thought the first time when I watched okay. it, but um, I knew that it was him just because I did read the book, but... When I first watched it, I was like, oh, they're killing him because he used to beat their... Or he beats their sister. Yeah. Like, I thought that that they was were, the only they motive. Would, in the book, they... Um, it's it's def they wouldn't they wouldn't kill him for that they I mean Sonny I mean, Sonny and actually so. in the book it like it's implied that Sonny is a, is like a, a hot headed idiot because he's going and dealing and and beating this guy up like Vito would disapprove of interfering with fam like family right. drama so like that's which is like it's shitty that that's like the the message you're supposed to take away from like oh Sonny's Sonny shouldn't be doing this or whatever but like. That that was like the plot point, like oh, Sonny's hot headed because he, because he steps in with his like in his sister's affairs or whatever. <laughs> I wonder if Vito would have been happier with like you know a silent killing like Michael went with. You know, it's like maybe he would have been ashamed with Sonny and beating him in like the street. To with, where like, everyone, at where everyone knew it was Sonny as well that did it. Yeah. Yeah. Versus you know he just kind of disappeared off into a car. Yeah, which I think that, once again, that's why, um, you know, they talk about in the final scene that, like, oh, you know, your father has a lot invest, dad has a lot invested in you, you're going to college, you're supposed to take this over, because you're the only person, you're only one of the sons that has, like, the mental, the like, right temperament. the right temperament and, like, wherewithal to handle this stuff, um, and Michael's like, nah, I'm gonna go, yeah. I'm gonna go do some military sanction kills. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, that last scene really does, like, pull it all together, that last flashback, which is also kind of pulls together Vito's storyline, too, because mm-hmm. that was maybe, like... Because you know what happens to all of his sons, in that, and his and his daughter. You know what happens to every single person in that room by that point. Right. And you know that, like, this big, happy family that Vito built is on, like shaky it's on like stilts at that point (laughs) yeah it's like gone i mean at the end it's it's just michael and connie yep of the siblings yeah because even her even the guy that she shows up with that like sonny's like go hang out with this guy go hang out this is the carlo this is the guy but which is even more sad when you realize and maybe that's why sonny had such a vested interest in beating the shit out of carlo is that Sonny introduced Carlo to right? <laughs> introduce right. Carlo to to Connie? So it's like, you know, then that puts an even more damper on that because you're like, oh, well, Sonny feels personally responsible for this entire like for Connie getting hurt in the first place because he's the one that introduced Carlo to her. Right, and was like, you guys should date. Which later it seems. I mean, not later. It's funny timelines because. It's later, but it's the first movie. Mm-hmm. Um, Sunny tries to speak up at some point, and Mama Corleone is like, don't interfere. You know, like, they're at dinner or something, and he's like, Connie's husband tells her to, like, shut up or something, and he's like, don't talk to my sister that way. Yeah. So, which I so yeah, so it is, that is implied that that, like, that car, the fact that Sonny cares is a weakness of his, which, which led to his death. Right. Which I don't, like I said, it, and that's also expressively you know, expressed very clearly in the book as well. So maybe that's why, like, maybe that's why I like the second one more anyways, because it, the first one, even though it doesn't take, it's still, you know, it still pulls a lot from the book, which I don't like the book. I think, <laughs> I think, I think the first one takes any, every, everything, po- like everything that you could possibly get positive out of the book and like makes it good. You don't think the movie should have had more about Sonny's dick? No, I don't. I think it was very, very fine. An appropriate amount. Yeah. Really, the only thing is that at the very beginning at Connie's wedding, you can see Sonny's wife motion with her hands how big his yeah. dick is. Yeah, yeah. And all the other women are like, oh! Yeah, that's literally, that's, yeah, that, which is about, that's fine, that's fine. Yeah. That's a fine reference. You can't even really tell who she is in the, I mean, for all you know as a viewer, it's kind of just a woman making a dick joke. Yeah. Um, yeah, another thing in the book, though, that is incredibly expanded on, and uh, the whole time I was remember reading the book that, like, from the first movie that I was like, I do not care about this plot line, and I'm glad it wasn't included in any of the movies, is you remember, um, the guy who sings at the wedding, and then, um, right. and then Tom sends, you know, uh, the horse head to the, <laughs> to get him put in the movie? That is half the book, um, is related to this singer guy, and the fact that he's, like, losing his voice, and he can't sing anymore, and, like, he has this best friend who's, like, he gets in the movie business, but he's also, a, like, but he came from the streets that the, like I said, it's so boring. It is so boring, and it's half the book, and they included the proper amount of the singing story of that guy's He is portion. in the second one, too, though. He yeah. sings with Connie. That's, but, so that's funny that they still were like, oh. Yeah, we can. We'll give him a little bit of screen. But time. the second one, yeah, really, the second one was its own thing, which I... I wonder th- if that'll be audible, me spanking Oliver's little butt. Yeah, what, what Callie's doing, um, Oliver's sitting on her lap right now, and yeah. she was patting... 
patting his little butt. Patting his little butt. He likes his, he's a spanko. <laughs> <laughs> fun times, fun he's times. A, um, I also thought Robert De Niro was very hot. Yeah, he's really attractive in this. He, he he's got, 25 years old. he got the Oscar for this role. He did. So... I think I joked to you in the first one that's like lost at uh, the first recording that like Al Pacino, you know, he got nominated the first time and lost to Marlon Brando for Godfather Part 1 and then for Godfather Part 2 he was nominated and lost to Robert De Niro so he must have just been like, ah! <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, well, actually, I think Robert De Niro won for Best Supporting. Um, was it support? Yeah, I mean, I would hope it was, let me check. Just to, sure. to double check, um, I would hope it was for su for supporting, but I mean they they were kind of equal main characters <laughs> in the film. I feel like we've just talked about like plot stuff. I mean, and there's just so much plot, but the script I think is better than the first one. I feel like there's well, a there's just more dialogue, but the there's so much more like subtleties I think in this one that like show off character things like I think different aspects like Michael's intelligence as far as bigger picture things like whenever he's talking to Hyman Roth in Cuba about the revolutionaries and he's like well like what if what if they win or whatever and everyone's like ha ha that yeah. would never happen wink wink <laughs> like, well you know they have this like passion or whatever and, and he knows that that's like what drives not just money and so, yeah, I thought that that scene was just, like, really interesting whenever Hyman Roth is like, oh, we need to talk about this in private, and, like, he's trying to, like, quiet him yeah. because he's obviously smarter than everybody, and Hyman Roth knows that he's going to put doubt in everybody else's And he's going to he's gonna bust the deal up, basically, that he's trying yeah. to, to enrich his own pockets. I love the, the Cuban... The revolution scene, the New Year's Eve scene. Oh, yeah, and then you know where he grabs Fredo and he's broke my heart, Fredo. <laughs> I know, it's you, You know, he kisses him whenever he grabs him and tells him that he knows it was him. And, like, it's such a, like, it's like a wet fucking kiss, you know? Yeah, well, it's, it's obviously, like, a you are fucked kiss. <laughs> I was thinking about it and it seemed so much like... You know, like, Jesus was like, I'll kiss the one who will betray me or yeah, whatever. It almost yeah. felt like it was, like, a callback to that or whatever. And I've even, like, read several things where people were like, the kiss of death, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, that was the moment he knew he was going to kill his brother. Yeah. And then Fredo just, I mean, it's crazy because, like, that moment happens and then the Cuban president is like, uh, so I have to get the fuck out of here. And then everybody else is like, oh, so we have to get the fuck out of here. And then it just, like, devolves into chaos, and Fredo just leaves and is gone. And it's like, I mean, it's just the ending of the scene where he's still trying to get Fredo to come back. Well, yeah, because, you know, at that point, he wouldn't have killed Fredo because, you know, he did, because Mama Corleone was still alive. So, right. so you know, he but, he, but all that probably would have happened was that same scene that later on where he, like, is like berating Fredo for intel and Fredo has that like you know his big scene where he's like oh, I'm smart <laughs> you know like that would have happened anyways and he was like I'm not gonna fucking talk to you ever again don't yeah. ever come around me I don't want to see your face and I love that yeah he's like I, I won't even consider you a brother yeah it's fucking Ooh. cool yeah and he didn't because he murdered him poor Fredo
R.I.P. Fredo. R.I.P. Is that what this episode's gonna be? <laughs> R.I.P. Fredo. I will, yeah, I'll call Rest it. Rest in peace, Fredo. Oh, but that's a big spoiler for those that haven't seen God by the Two. Oh, it's but, but been I, out for 40 years. And also, like, Watch I didn't even, like, like I only watched it for this podcast and I knew Fredo died pre pre-listening I'm pretty sure, like, whenever I talk to people about it, I'm like, you know, and then Fredo dies, and, like, I, it's just like, I'm yeah, like, you should know by now. You should know, he's dead. <laughs> <laughs> so Francis Ford Coppola and Mario Puzo wrote the script together, they adapted it together, and I was reading that Al Pacino threw a big fit before filming and said that he wasn't gonna do it anymore unless they rewrote the script. And so Coppola like stayed up all night rewriting and uh, Pacino agreed after reading the rewrite and then like later Pacino was like, I didn't even read the first one. <laughs> I just like thought he could probably do better. Are you serious? <laughs> He was like, he was like that could have been like the best screenplay of all time, and he was just like, no, nope, do, do it again. That's kind of a dick move. <laughs> and he, well, he also wanted like a bigger salary and stuff. So oh, that's it. So it was it was tied into that probably. Yeah. He's like, I want a different script, and I want more money. <laughs> yeah, it's like as the Godfathers go on, the more it becomes about money for all the actors. Like. Oh well, three. Yeah, three. From what I understand, was a total like financial reason like the only reason it got made was for because Coppola was so in debt at that point that he needed to make it in order to like pay off all the debt he had. I'm sure Pacino was kind of in the same boat I've heard in several interviews that he said that in you know after his four-year break that he took from acting the only reason that he came back was because he needed money and so yeah and the Godfather 3, part three came out in 90 and that was probably like you know and that was Regardless of the quality of the film, it was going to make money. Like, it's Godfather 3, your people are going to go see it. Like, it's right. a guarantee. That's, like, the easiest <laughs> money you could possibly make. It's like... <laughs> you know, so we were talking uh, about The Godfather Part 1, and we joked that it doesn't have enough laughs. Uh, I was watching The Office, and... Michael Scott was talking about The Godfather, and he was like, and there's, like, three major laughs, and it's just mostly confusing, and he was like, I much prefer The Godfather 3, that, like, ties everything together nicely, or whatever. <laughs> I just thought it was funny that they made the same point. There's not yeah, enough Not laughs. enough laughs in The Godfather. Hardly any laughs in Part 2. There's zero laughs. There's no laughs. They could have had Fredo tell a joke or something. I kind of laughed when Fredo was like, I'm smart. You're not supposed to laugh at that. You're supposed to cry. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. He didn't strike me as very smart ever. In... No, he's not. I mean, bad. I feel for him. I yeah. understand, but it is kind of funny. Because it's like he, he gave himself up. Like, he's just yeah. fucking stupid. It's like, don't drink if you're going to lose, lip, loose lips sink ships. You know. Well, and also... You know how we mentioned when we were talking about how like so many popular terms in uh, American culture were coined in the first one. This one has keep your friends close and your enemies closer. Bada bing. That's a great one. <laughs> he do, Al Pacino does not say bada bing at the end of bada bing. <laughs> That's what he says he's... after Fredo after he watches Fredo get killed on the lake and he's watching from that big window. He's like bada bing. Bada bing. Hoorah. Bada boom. <laughs> 
And a single tear falls down his face. See, if Al Pacino had just said hoorah in this film, he would have got the Oscar that year. (laughs) (laughs) I don't understand how he didn't win for any of these movies that we're, like, we're watching currently. Like, Serpico was amazing. He's great in all of them. He should have won for this. Like, it's ridiculous that he didn't win for Godfather 2. <laughs> not gonna That's lie. So not, like I said, once again, not that, like, the Oscars are the arbiters of, like, quality or whatever. I mean, they gave... I'm sure he won a BAFTA. Yeah, I'm sure. No, he... They, he... they, they threw him bones throughout <laughs> the years. But, you know, Al Pacino was nominated for Dick Tracy. But I, 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 I wish that was the one that he won for. That was the one he got. <laughs> the only one he got. I can't wait till we watch that movie. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I mean, obviously, uh, Al Pacino's pressuring Coppola to rewrite did its trick. I feel like the script is really good. One of the greatest screenplays of all time, one of the greatest films of all time. People say it's the greatest sequel of all time. The, what you were saying about the lines, like, friends close and enemies closer, like, that's such a big... Like, people don't even know it's from The Godfather. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's so interesting that these films are so much a part of pop, pop culture without us realizing anymore. That, like, whenever I was editing the first one, I realized I quoted Godfather Part 3 without realizing it. And then later, like, after I edited, I was watching Godfather Part 3, and I was like, oh, that's what that's from. Because I said, uh, I made some joke about once you finally get out, they pull you back in, and then you gotta go back to your old girlfriend. I was talking about how you had to go back to be with Kay, and it's like that's you from... just literally quoted from Godfather <laughs> Three. <laughs> See, I mean, now if you hadn't have brought that up, everybody would be like, oh, Cal- oh, that that's that's wow, a Cali. Wow, so smart. Yeah, maybe I'll edit this out. So <laughs> nobody else knows. <laughs> but yeah, it's just it's so like a part of things that we say and like stories that we tell. It's like it's fucking crazy. Like we're you know. Everyone thinks they're a Michael, but really, we're all Fredos. I'm definitely a Fredo. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to get high and, like, hang out with pretty women. Yeah, me too. Who doesn't? That sounds good. Why would Fredo ever want anything more than that? Like, I'd let Michael do all the shit think... work if I could hang out Because, you know, in Miami. And that's what he, Wait, no. he, he answered he that. He answered that in their final confrontation because Fredo just, like, finally wanted some agency. And he didn't feel like he had any agency growing up because his everybody always treated him like an idiot. Right. Even though he is an idiot. Because <laughs> <laughs> he, he fucking is. <laughs> I think that's such a funny dynamic to explore that there's like, sometimes there's just always like one child that gets like left out and like doesn't, isn't made to feel like they have as much like potential as the mm-hmm. other ones. And I can definitely see why, like, Sonny demands attention by being a louder person, and then Michael gets attention because he's, like, quiet and mysterious and smart, at least. Right. Well, and Michael... See, yeah, Sonny was loud. Michael w- w- wanted... A, I don't know if he wanted attention. He just wanted away from it. He wanted to be his own person. And, like, you know, and he couldn't be his own person. Yeah. I'm gonna cry. Oh, no. Should have tear for Michael. <laughs> for Michael Corley. <laughs> Nah, you feel fine. bad for Michael Corleone. I don't feel bad for him. He got off in the Senate. <laughs> He's yeah. officially not a mafia boss, according to the universe of that movie. That whole thing was, like, surreal, too. I did have one laugh in Godfather 2, and that was when the senator stood up and was like, I love all great Italian-Americans. I love Italians, yeah. Like, 
that was my that you know that was my favorite that that was a funny moment <laughs> god i that whole storyline with i guess that's the one reason i don't like tom hagen's character is that he was like listen this girl didn't have a family she didn't like whenever he's helping cover up yeah the fact that the senator uh murdered somebody i don't think he actually i thought it was they like Maybe I misinterpreted this. I thought like, somebody, either they murdered the woman, like like Michael set it up and drugged the senator and then dragged him in there to make it look like he did it, or... I think it goes all the way to the top. Yeah, or, and that's, that was their way of getting the senator on their side, and, cause, and because they drugged him, he thought Holy he did shit. it. Holy shit! But, like, once again, I don't I know I never if considered I, any of this. That's so interesting, though. I, I thought he was just like, I don't know what happened. No, I really think, I thought it was, I thought they did it, but also, like, because it was in, because, you know, when he's walking in, he's like, you're lucky this happened in one of our brothels. Wow. So, because it was in their brothel, like, they have full control yeah, over what happens. Yeah, that's an interesting point. But, um, it was pretty subtle. But also, I, like I said, I wasn't sure if I just made that up in my head or if that is what actually happened. <laughs> I would not put it past the Corleones, I guess, but, like... I guess it does seem a little dark. I mean, he murders his own brother. He can. He'll... But he can like put him in a bed with somebody else and be like, "Look what you did." Yeah, but the set <laughs> at the begin at the beginning, the senator's like, "I don't like you people. I don't want anything." He's like basically just being the biggest fucking prick yeah, at the beginning. So and then he like did he disrespected Michael. That's just another. Keep your feet. That up. is a very interesting. Maybe I'm gonna watch it again now. Like <laughs> this idea. And, and see how I feel about it. But yeah, Robert Duvall is just like really quick to be like, no, I'll cover up this murder for you. That's kind of my yeah. job, which is an unattractive. That he would cover up a murder? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't generally like that. Yeah, I mean, we already established that you don't want your friends to murder you. That's like the biggest, that's the biggest it's thing. It's important to me. <laughs> <laughs> and you don't like people that would cover up murder. So we've established two things about you tonight. I'm a simple woman. <laughs> I don't want to get murdered and I don't want to be around anybody who would help cover up a murder. I think, I think we're getting down to some some important details. Just like so that the, so our listeners, like, you know, they get a little taste of us, a little bit of me, our personality. Like, I don't want to get murdered. Yeah, yeah. How um, do you feel about it? I don't think I do. I don't, I don't know. I don't want to wind up on a true crime podcast. Yeah, you know, <laughs> me neither. I think that that would be pretty embarrassing. Yeah, I'd be embarrassed. I mean, I'd be dead, so I, I wouldn't... Please I, I, don't read my autopsy report to anybody. Yeah, all of you true crime podcast people out there right now, if either of us are murdered, um, I'm going on the record officially in audio format. I don't want my autopsy read on the air. Thank you. I appreciate it. I don't think Callie does either. <laughs> I don't... I mean, you can say whether or not my hyoid, born, my hyoid bone was broken. Say that five times fast. I'm not going to. <laughs> I'm not going to do that. I'm sure I have more things to say about this film. It's just like so overwhelming. It's three hours and 22 minutes. Yeah, that's why I put off watching it for so long. I was like, I had to take out three and a half hours of my day. But it's a great movie. I mean, it is. It, it does. It does. Um, it does warrant a time commitment. <laughs> yeah, I think the flashbacks and stuff does such a good job of showing why what they did what they do had its purpose in its time but doesn't any longer and michael like doesn't need to be doing it it's 
son. Yeah, yeah, no, I think... Did that come across to you as well? Yeah, well, that's the thing. It's like Michael had enough credibility. Like, he didn't... He could have walked away. Why are you expanding to Cuba? Exactly. You're supposed to be, like, trying to, like... I know, and that's why... And that's, I think that's... Yeah, that's what his, his wife, Kay, saw, was that Michael had no intention of stepping away. And like many other corruption stories of our time, such as Breaking Bad, starring Walter White, um, the, the wife usually is a smart one in the relationship and sees that her husband is just an egotistical But jackass. gets painted to be the bad guy. Yeah, that, well that's just people's misogyny coming out. <laughs> because it's like, yeah, she's married to an abusive monster. How the fuck else would you react in that situation? <laughs> well, I think people, they romanticize the crime so much that they don't like think about what it would be like to be married to somebody that's like doing that yeah well it's so much like and especially like, well think about like he's doing it for his family or whatever and it's like she is his family and he's being shitty to her yeah and as in breaking bad it very like quickly like yeah. in, in the last season almost it's, exactly yeah. yeah it's like no you're just doing this for your because he has like michael although i think in breaking bad it's a lot more obvious that walter has like very easy ways to avoid like his excuse for her um, you know, I'm just trying to get the money to pay for my family is complete bullshit. But because, it's never enough money. Yeah, yeah, it's either never enough or, like, because he, he finally feels like he has power and control in his life, where he didn't before. And in the Godfather, I think that's similar in, like, Godfather 2 by that point. Like, I don't think it's as obvious where Michael didn't feel like he had, like, he needed the power. But I think he had a taste of it for so long that, like... He liked it. Like, he didn't want to yeah. admit to himself, but he liked having the power that he did. And, like, he liked having the ability to just be like, oh, you don't, you know, you don't want to do what I say, I will take you out. Like, you know, Walter's a piece of shit. I think I will go on record at Walter White's piece of shit. <laughs> I'm not afraid to say it. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, like, I think even though Michael does all these horrible things, there's still this weird affection for him that I have, I don't know, do you still like Michael at the end of the movie? Mm, not really. No? You no, don't? and I think, the, the, like, and I keep coming back to the one scene where he's, like, you know, planning out the final murders, and he's, like, clearly, like, you know, and he's, like, verbally, be, verbally abusing Tom and shit, and you're, like, you're, like, oh, yeah, he's, he's gone off the, like, any, any likable part of him. That and the, when he slapped like I feel right. like those were the two big things like oh any humanity in Michael is gone now like all his like human he's his humanity is completely gone he is now just like this the monster that he was trying to avoid in the first film which is then crazy to where it brings you to if you know in Godfather 3 which yeah, we'll I can't, I, like I said, I haven't seen it yet, because I'm watching these, unlike I Callie. I probably shouldn't have, I mean, my I parents am, wanted to watch them as a... I'm watching in chronological trilogy. order, because I want to get the, uh, I want to see the evolution of his acting. No, <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's, yeah. I just hopped out for, for Godfather Part 3, and then my dad put on Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and I didn't know Al Pacino was going to be <laughs> Oh, you skipped that far ahead? I skipped no. very oh, far. Oh, I, I saw that in theaters, so I did this. It's okay. <laughs> I've already seen that before. <laughs> he isn't in, in that movie very long, though. No. It, like, it's basically just a cameo. Yeah. But, I mean, he has a pivotal role. He does. But we can talk about that when we get... It's, like, 50 episodes or whatever. <laughs>
Yeah, it'll be a while. I don't know. His role is not even what I would talk about most in that movie. Yeah, which we don't have. Like, I mean, I he was only in Me Natalie for two minutes, and I yeah. thought we talked about that scene, but I mostly talked about Patty Duke because I love Patty Duke. Which um, we can put it up on our Twitter, but we found um, Patty Duke actually presented an award to Al Pacino um, for I think one of his plays or a performance on television or something but it's kind of cute no like, didn't i send that to you i don't think so so i might i might see it for the first time yeah <laughs> so if it, even if you don't watch me natalie you'll get to see both of those how do you do get al pacino interact <laughs> yeah <laughs> you can tell that he's just like yeah thanks like maybe they hadn't worked together yet when she gave him an award what year was it it was like 1969 that was the, I think that oh, was, was the year the... that movie came out. So they would have worked together. I he didn't like her. <laughs> <laughs> I already knew he only had eyes for Diane Keaton. Of course. That's, that's how it goes when Diane Keaton's around. Anyways, do you have any final thoughts? Uh, no, I, um, I loved it. I mean, yeah, this is my favorite Godfather film. One of my favorite films of Pacino so far, too. Yeah, I would put it up there. I trying to like go through all the films we've seen um me natalie panic in the park godfather scarecrow serpico yeah i think godfather 2 is my favorite as well um although i i besides me me natalie which i don't hate i just think it's fine i think all of those are great movies they are all really good i think scarecrow you know like plot lines can get i mean it's a sad sad movie yeah so that one's kind of hard to love although both Pacino and Hackman said that they were that that was their like favorite movie. Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, it's really good. I like Scarecrow. I think it's underrated. Um, you could say that every movie he's been besides me, Natalie, which he barely plays a role in, um, is sad though. At this point, like every single movie he's been in, Panic at Needle Part is depressing. Um, mm -hmm. Godfather is sad. Um, Scarecrow, obviously, Serpico. Maybe it's becoming obvious why he needed to take a four-year break. We, well, I mean, we'll see if Bobby Deerfield's sad. I've heard that Bobby Deerfield is completely about being depressed. Oh, boy. So, and like, you know, spoiler alerts, but right before we filmed this, um, uh, I watched Dog Day Afternoon for the first time since high school, and Callie watched it, like, what, the third time you've seen it now, um, in the past, like, couple months, and that's a sad movie. Also a bit of a bummer, yeah. But, um, so yeah, I guess that leads in, that's what we'll be talking, we'll be talking about that film, most likely Bobby Deerfield, depending on how much we have to, to say about Dog Day Afternoon. I'm really hoping that author, author gives us, like, some sort of positivity, because cruising does not have... A great. I'm trying to happy think. Happy ending. I you think. know, it might might be Dick Tracy might be the first happy movie that he's, but he plays a villain in that. So. <laughs> well, we'll see. Um, yeah, every every Pacino just likes to be in sad films. Um, maybe that's why he got so happy to be in Jack and Jill all those years later. He was like, finally, all I've ever wanted is for like a stupid Adam Sandler to ask me to be in one of his movies. I've been trying to break into this industry. <laughs> Anyways, uh, final plugs. My at on Twitter is Static Blue Bat. Uh, mine is at Cali Bud, K A L I E B U D. Or you can follow the Pacino Pod on Twitter at Pacino underscore Pod. It is now available on SoundCloud, 
Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Hopefully you can get it on the Android apps soon as well. Be sure to give us five stars if you liked it. <laughs> review, leave us a review that whatever, even if you hated it, leave us a review. I won't read it to Callie. I'll just read it to myself. <laughs> <I'm just kidding. laughs> and next episode will be... Um, yeah, probably. I think we... Dog Day Afternoon and Dog Day and Bobby. Bobby Deerfield, maybe Injustice for All, if we don't have that much to say about One of Bobby my Deerfield. So uh, we'll have those movies to talk about and... Keep listening, keep it locked, as I used to say on the radio. <laughs> you know what's so funny? So like, we both, that was like our, you know, I don't know if it's every radio station, but that's how KJHK would sign off. It's mm. like, keep it locked to KJHK, 90.7. FM Lawrence, whatever. Uh, Your sound alternative. I was like also working at a doctor's office the whole time I worked at KJHK, and whenever I would answer the phone, sometimes I would hang up by saying "Keep it locked." Really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Keep it locked to the doctor's office. <laughs> Me and my coworkers would like always die afterwards because I just be like even I don't know I was always like sleep deprived. Oh man. That's funny. Well, so that's a good note to leave. Keep it locked. Keep it locked. <laughs> have, a, have a good day. <laughs>